0: Hi, this is Harry Shearer, and you are listening to TV Confidential, a radio show about television.
1: Robert, With a reminder that we will play part two of our conversation with Spike Jones, biographer Jordan Young, later on in the hour. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll play more of a conversation that we recorded in the fall of 2021 with television pioneer and Emmy Award winner Ron Bacon. Ron's career behind the scenes of network television spanned 35 years, mostly with ABC, covered all kinds of television programming, including variety shows, documentaries, sporting events, and all kinds of live television. Ron Bacon passed away Tuesday, December 21st at the age of 91. This particular conversation, Ron and I are talking about the backstory of The Chicken Man, The Chicken Man, two-hour musical comedy that Ron wrote and produced and scored and cast, Chicken Man, two-hour musical comedy set in the French Quarter of New Orleans about life, love, hope, voodoo, uh, and keeping a positive attitude even when a hurricane is brewing. You can enjoy the Chicken Man for free, ronbacon.net, ronbacon.net. The
0: other point about it, more than anything, is that for one entire month, Every night I had tears in my eyes watching these performers just doing such a great job, you know. It was no longer me, it was them. Yeah. I mean, once you do your thing, you step aside and and it goes on. And that's kind of magical. There's something about theater that, of course, every night's different. Things happen. Every
1: night is different, and then once you cast an actor to take a part, whether it's the part of the chicken man, whether it's the part of Mr. Darkly. Once you cast an actor to play a character, at some point, even though the actor is performing the words and the songs that you, Ron, wrote, at some point they take ownership and because they're breathing life into that character, so it, it, it really becomes a collaboration you know, you you see their interpretation of the of the of the character, the concept you originally started with.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's 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 an amazing, it's a wonderful thing to be part of it. And uh, I mean, I you know I did all those years in television, forty-five years in television, but this to me was more interesting and much more fun. You know.
1: Well, because. Because long before you had any notions of working in television, you had music in you. This is something that's been part of your life.
0: Now, that's an interesting thing, too, because because of the shows I worked on and the opportunities that I had in television to meet many, many great musicians, arrangers, conductors, you name it, you know, and I learned from all of them. I mean, I don't think I could have done Chicken Man without having had that experience. Marvelous experience mm-hmm. of, of all those years in television. So there's a there is a, a continuity to it, you
1: know. Very much so. The Chicken Man two-hour musical comedy set in the French Quarter of New Orleans that Ron wrote and produced and directed in two thousand. There's a YouTube video of the only videotape performance of the Chicken Man. Uh, you can enjoy it for free at Ron bacon.net ronbacon.net okay when you first started to put this together you had an experience because as as you just said there really was a chicken man and so you had you had a character in mind you even had a couple of songs that you had written long time ago that you figured okay I'll find a place for it and You had an actor, you had a lead in Sammy Davis to play the character. So you were not starting completely from scratch, but you ended up writing another 15, 16 songs for this. When it comes to writing music, which comes first? Does the lyric come first? Does the melody come first? Or does it depend on the song?
0: All those above. (laughs) But was something about this that was quite interesting, I've heard this mentioned by the great director Fellini, When he talked about his work and some of the other great directors, there's a point where things just happen by themselves. Mm -hmm. I would have a need for a certain kind of song, and in the middle of the night, I would get, I could hear the whole song, all the lyrics, and all the chords, and everything, and I would have to get up out of bed and immediately. (laughs) Write it down <laughs> yeah because it was it was afraid if i if I didn't I'd lose it yeah know?
1: exactly you know but then... it
0: would be complete what's interesting is it would be complete the whole thing would be complete same thing would happen I'd go walking and I'd, I'd be walking around just getting some exercise here and said like you know you I need a son and blah blah blah. All of a sudden, I get an idea, but I go home, and I have to write it down real quick. Yeah.
1: Years ago, I read a book called, it's either called Serendipity or Synchronicity, but it has to do with the creative process. And uh, the takeaway from the book that I've always remembered is we get our greatest sources of creativity from bed, bath, or bus, meaning when when we're lying in bed or asleep, you know, which you just gave an example of, and before we had cell phones, where you can just pop up the memo app and just type in, you know, the ideas that came to you, many many creative people would have a pen and paper at at their bedside, so if to to capture ideas that came to them in the middle of the night. So, but also bus while we're traveling or walking you know you just gave an example of how ideas would come to you while you're exercising or walking and then i can speak to this there have been ideas that have come to me in the shower so that's where the bath comes in so but in so but you being a creative person ron you understand that
0: well you're a creative person as a producer of a radio show and i think you have these same experiences do you not
1: yes i do yes i do
0: and it's a wonderful thing it is
1: it is. But, and, I, and I can tell you that the writing muse, the creative muse, they're not unlike the Loa. The Loa, folks, is a trio of creative spirits that also serve as the Greek chorus in Ron's musical, The Chicken Man. It's not like they're always there. They seem to come to you when the idea strikes and you've got to take advantage of when that creativity comes to you because you may not remember it if you don't, put, if you don't write it down an hour later.
0: Exactly. And then when you have a great show, what a joy it is, is it not? I mean, does it not just magnify your life so much? I mean, it is such a joy to be creative.
1: And I would imagine, I mean, clearly the notion to tell this story had been with you for many, many years. And so the opportunity to tell this story in a musical form and have all the components come together in, at the time that they did, and to have the success that you enjoy, it, it has to be very gratifying.
0: Well, it's very interesting, and anybody has ever been to New Orleans will know what I'm talking about. That's the most unusual place. I mean, New Orleans doesn't, it's, it's a place so different than anywhere else in the United States. And there's so much history there about everything, including jazz.
1: You're listening to a conversation with television pioneer and Emmy Award winner Ron Bacon that was recorded in the fall of 2021 in which Ron is giving us the backstory of a musical that he wrote in the 1960s called the chicken man ron bacon passed away this past tuesday december 21st 2021 at the age of 91 stay with us folks we'll be right back hi i'm chris Gathard, and i'm very excited to tell you about beautiful anonymous a podcast where i talk to random people on the phone i tweet out a phone number thousands of people try to call I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous. I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's gonna happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's gonna happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful
0: Anonymous. Did I tell a story about Louis, Louis Armstrong? Does it have
1: to do with his, it has to do with his trombone and the... Um, uh, is that
0: his mouthpiece?
1: Yeah, the mouthpiece, that's it. I think you've told this off mic, I don't think you've told it on the ear.
0: Well, that's a worth sharing, maybe. Uh, Louis Armstrong, responsible probably for a whole, I would say that he's responsible for jazz. He introduced it. And I worked with Louis Armstrong. We call him. He liked to be called Louis. And we were doing a Frank Sinatra show at uh, ABC, but we were doing a rehearsal on the lot for 20th Century Fox. And he had a dressing room that was upstairs in a loft. And I was stage manager, and and, uh, we were doing rehearsal with Frank and the uh, the whole orchestra. I'm not sure who was was the conductor at that time, but uh, anyway, we had the orchestra there, and there was Frank, and there was Louis Armstrong, and uh, we called him Pops, at least I called him Pops, Uh and Pops Pops came up to me, and he said, uh, said, Ron, would you go up to my dressing room and get me my mouthpiece? From my trumpet. Frank was there. He was going to practice, and, and he, but Frank doesn't sing much when he's practicing. I mean, he didn't want to waste his voice. Yeah. So you don't hear much. Here's Louie Doesn't Louis pops Armstrong? <laughs> he wanted his mouthpiece. He said, "It's just it's in my trumpet case. It's a small one." And so uh, I said, "Sure, I'd be happy to get it for you, Louis uh, uh, or pops." I said, "I'd be happy to get it for you." And I and I started up the steps to the dressing room in the loft and uh, I get to the door and open it and there's the, the case sitting on a bed and I get up to the case and I'm thinking my God what am I doing I am Touching history of jazz. It
1: was almost like the Holy Grail.
0: What is the Holy Grail of music? And I that case was so aged, you could I mean you could smell the yeah. history. And I I carefully opened it. And there was the trumpet inside. Yeah. A whole bunch of handkerchiefs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you remember Louis Armstrong always had a handkerchief. Yes, he did. Deep respired. Mm Sorry for him to keep the handkerchief on, so he didn't hit the (laughs) the wrong notes. (laughs) And um, then uh, to the right was this a place where you could open up a little velvet lid. And underneath there we saw we saw two mouthpieces. And I went in there and I picked up the mouthpiece he requested. And I'm thinking, My God, who has ever had the chance to do this? Tears came to my eyes. Mm-hmm back to that stage and i handed him the an awesome
1: piece and I, it was hard for me to even talk well it's, i could tell when you when you're recalling this story the emotion in your voice is there and to be so close and especially for someone who understood what his mouthpiece mean and just and, and that it was and that it belonged to him it's almost like the Sistine Chapel. You know, like somebody touching the robe of Christ. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. You know. So it's
0: you get that you get that opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Why me? How? I'm I mean, I'm so overjoyed. Honestly, those are the kind of things that, that happen. I think to everybody in working uh, in life. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's unique to show business, but. When you have an awareness,
1: yes, exactly,
0: of it, awareness of what you are really doing. When you meet somebody who is really special, mm-hmm. when they have done something, when they have been in a war, one of the could not how many wars. <laughs> but, I mean, it's. I mean, you can't not. I mean, these people have uh, experienced things that are so. Dramatically different than anything you probably will ever encounter in your life. Mm-hmm. Can't but respect them in, in a very special way. And I suppose with musicians, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, they're just, uh, to me, uh, meeting some great musician, having the opportunity to work with him, uh, any musician whom I have respect for is important. And I, there are, I, I think that that should not be any different than somebody doing something else in life that is totally alien to me. I mean, it somebody meeting some famous mathematician who does that for a living or is, is, is studying or, you know, I mean, to have those encounters with those great people who are, are the touchstones of, of, of what we consider to be important.
1: Ron Bacon had encounters with many of the great musicians of our time during his 35-year, 40-year career in network television, one way or another. Uh, Ron is sharing some of those stories with us. Tonight, this conversation with Ron was recorded in the fall of 2021. Ron Bacon passed away Tuesday, December 21st at the age of 91. We will play more of this conversation with Ron in two weeks on TV Confidential. He will tell us about his encounters with such other music icons as Little Richard, and Wayne Newton. He'll also take us behind the scenes of Shindig, one of the first music shows produced by ABC that was tailored specifically for the rock and roll generation. That is coming up in two weeks on TV Confidential. In the meantime, you can learn more about Ron's life and legacy at ronbacon.net. We'll take a quick time out, play part two of our conversation with Spike Jones biographer Jordan Young. We come back on TV Confidential. This Week in TV History now has its own podcast. You can enjoy This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk